Welcome to Megan Meets, a podcast hosted by me, Megan Scully, in association with Salt Float and Recovery Suites. Ireland's first dedicated natural health spa, offering flotation therapy, infrared and traditional Finnish saunas, contrast therapy, and no contact compression massage and more. Salt is located two minutes from the M6 motorway on the outskirts of Galway City and they stock a wide range of Irish health and wellness products. Take time to look after you this year at Salt, experts in holistic wellness. Keep listening for special offer at the end. In the first series, I'll be exploring health and wellness and each guest will be chatting to me about the work they do. You'll learn more about alternative healing methods, health, happiness and so much more. Get involved by using the hashtag MeganMeets. Hit subscribe and share the love with friends and family are those who you feel could benefit from the health and wellness topics and methods discussed. I have to say a very warm welcome to the podcast. It's Fiona O'Donnell. How are you getting on? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you. How are you doing? So good. I have to say, I love how this came about because um, I was skiing a few weeks ago in France and this uh, lady was sitting beside me and she's from the UK and it was just so random that she got sitting beside me at dinner and we got chatting and I was telling her all about the podcast and then lo and behold, she said, I knew this Irish girl, I think it was in Australia, she said. She goes, you should get her on your podcast. She, she does all the health and wellness stuff too. So Lucy, we owe it to her for getting us here together. That's gas. It's so funny, isn't it? Yeah, so... um. Yeah, health and wellness, everything health and wellness. I love it. I love it. I can't get enough of it. I know because I've been looking at your website now and, you know, it says lifestyle, nutrition, health, there's coaching. There's, I feel like there, mm. there was so much there. It was like so much food for thought. And I was like, I didn't want to be reading too much into it because I want to be able to chat to you all about it. Um, but how did you get into the, the health and wellness realm? Uh, I suppose I started off working in hospitals. I mean, both my parents worked in hospitals, so it was kind of inevitable. And um, my background is in medical physics and clinical measurement. So I was working in cardiology, uh, testing people basically who came into the hospital with chest pain or um, cardiac symptoms. And I kind of felt I was at the end of the user line, you know, that there was so much that could be done to help people to make lifestyle changes before they got to that point where they were suffering with cardiac issues and I just didn't feel that there was enough uh, in the intervention side of things ahead of people becoming unwell and um, I just felt that the only advice out there was lose weight and that wasn't really uh, clearly that advice is not successful it's not helping people to get healthier so I went away and uh, while I was working in Vincent's Hospital in Dublin and I studied by night I did a PT course and um it just kind of snowballed from there really I mean that's 20 years ago dare I say it, dare I say it out loud but uh yeah that's kind of where it started do you think maybe it was growing up as um, a child you know you, you mentioned your, your family were involved but did you kind of think you know did you always know you'd go down the kind of medical route or you know was there like you know were, were you kind of like playing doctors and nurses when you're a small child or, or how did you think oh, kind stop. of interest like, the funny thing is, right, I, I was doing Leaving Cert going, oh, my God, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Will I do sales? Because I love having the chats and the crack with people. And um, so went and I signed up for business and Spanish and sure that was gone after two months. But like when I look back, it was definitely going to be obvious that I was going to be in that space because like I remember my dad going into work at the weekends and he'd have to bring me with him because my mom would have been on nights. And I used to take his white coat and his briefcase and a stethoscope and walk around the hospital at age five in a white coat with the sleeves rolled up <laughs> and a briefcase, really honestly thinking that people thought I worked in the hospital. 
That's amazing. And See, so you were playing doctors, <laughs> nurses as a child. You're just getting was, to do it I in a real it. hospital. <laughs> I was, yeah, exactly, exactly. <sighs> And you mentioned physics there, like all I have to say, I just don't have a physics chemistry brain at all. And I always just, I always, when people say they do physics, I'm like, oh my God, wow. Like so fascinating. Like it's, it's such a, it's such a vast subject and I wish I could get my head around it, but like, I imagine, so you obviously studied physics then did you in, in third level as well. So, okay, here's the thing, right? I hated physics in school. I had zero interest and I was like yeah 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 whatever electricity okay fine and I had zero interest I didn't study it in leaving cert I did biology and chemistry chemistry my chemistry teacher was just not really good at getting the message across shall we say and I wasn't really good uh, even at absorbing it um so I wasn't like I loved biology but chemistry and physics were not my strong points but then when I got to college and I was actually engaged in the topic I was learning about okay how does how does electricity fit in with how your heart pumps okay well oh that's that's a bit engaging and interesting how how does that work and then suddenly you're like oh this is physics this is okay I get it now you know so yeah, that's that's fascinating. I think, yeah, teachers definitely play a huge role in our education. Like I went on to study Irish in university and all through national school and secondary school, I loved my Irish teachers. I just yeah. I just wanted to be the best in the class because I wanted to impress them. So it's like, and I think they, it really does have, I know obviously part of it goes down to us and as you said, absorbing it and maybe studying it and knowing it. Mm-hmm. But I just think, you know, a teacher really does have a massive effect on, on what you do. Enormous, enormous. And I think like, I would still have a very good level of Irish because my second level uh, teachers were really, really engaging people, you know. So, um, yeah, it makes a massive difference. Now, you did mention there that, um, you know, you were you're working in the hospitals and you kind of, you know, you knew that there was something there, you know, something more. That, as you mentioned, it's like you wanted to kind of, I guess, save and help people before they'd have to get to the stage of getting into the hospital, which I think, you know, mm. we all, you know, unfortunately, we all know people who've who've gone down that route and who've ended up in hospital and you kind of, I suppose you can kind of almost see that there is prevention out there and there is the way to, I guess, prevent them getting to that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so you went mm-hmm. on and you, what, when did you decide then to like finish up with the hospital and, and take this on full time? Yeah. I, like, I suppose I was in a space where I, I loved my job. I really, really loved my job in hospitals and um, I, kind of ended up specializing in pacemakers and so when somebody gets a pacemaker it's like it's like a mobile phone it's factory settings when it comes out of the box right and then the individual has to have it adapted to their own specific needs so you know one person might just not be doing very much they might not be very active and just kind of pottering around at home the other person might be going off and hiking the galties every other weekend so you have to set things up the way they need them and so I realized that like there was such a broad range of activities that people needed to learn about and that they they really needed to have a better understanding of what was open to them. And um, I'm just after realizing now I've gone totally left of where my mind has gone with that question. Um, <laughs> I was just talking about when you decided to make that move of leaving the hospital and pursuing oh, yeah. this career. Yeah, sorry. So I was, <laughs> this is me like 47 different tangents in the space of three seconds. Um, I think that I, I was kind of observing the fact that while I really enjoyed my job, that people were coming in and they were saying, okay, I want to be healthy now. Um, I've, you know, I've got this heart thing and I'm getting a pacemaker. 
what do I do next Fiona and I was like I have no idea I have no idea where to send you I have no idea and of course there's programs like cardiac rehab and everything but they do that for a small period of time and then once that's done they're like okay where do I go what do I do so my initial idea was that I wanted to get better at working with these populations and give them other avenues that they could feel supported in and that they could feel understood in that it wasn't a go hard or go home uh, environment that it was more of a, a an holistic approach to, to fitness so I started doing that kind of on the side, a side gig while I was still working in the hospital. So I'd, I'd teach Pilates uh, in the evenings and some circuit classes. Um, I used to take out walk run groups at the weekends. So um, we'd start off walking and then we'd slowly uh, do a little bit of a trot in the middle of our walk. And, and then before you knew it, they were off running two or three or four kilometers and then people were signing up for races. So uh, I was doing that concurrent to my full-time job. And sure, then between having kids and everything, I ended up going part-time and Slowly but surely the balance tipped. And when I had my last fella, I was actually um, diagnosed with kidney disease and there was lots going on. I decided to take a career break from the hospital and I kind of stopped everything altogether, I suppose. And then when it was time to go back, I went, do you know what, in terms of lifestyle, in terms of what I want to do, in terms of where I want to be every day, um, I actually want to be around people who want to move more and I want to, I want to be working outdoors. So I made the decision about a year after after my youngest was born that you know I think yeah I think we're going to leave it there and decided to come into this area and and go full-time in it that was 2011 yeah incredible and you mentioned there um kidney disease so I guess then did you find the the um you were getting to maybe experience what some of your patients were initially going through, you know, kind of mm. having some health complications and health issues and having, trying to figure out then how can I live a, a kind of a healthy and fit lifestyle myself while balancing this, this kidney disease? Yeah, yeah. Like it's very much, uh, I would have always been a scheduler to time. Uh, so, okay, how much time do I have now to go for a run? Do I have time in the middle of my day to fit in a cycle? Do I have, okay, I have to kick, collect the kids at this time. Uh, so can I get in a gym session in between that space? And I had to flip that to um, managing my energy, which uh, was really difficult because I didn't know how to do that. I'd, you know, like, I think we are as human beings in the habit of really draining the end of the bottle. And we will say, uh, oh, yeah, it's six o'clock. I'm wrecked. I've had a massive day, but I suppose I better go to the gym. Right. And like, totally wringing out the sponge in terms of energy and when you have a, a chronic health condition you can't do that like there there are no dregs in the bottle there's no sponge to be wrung out it is uh, I mean there were days where I would get up in the morning uh, get up wash my hair cook breakfast tidy up after breakfast and that's it I was back to bed because the tank was empty yeah. so like you really have to learn how to manage that and the energy you have on a Monday might be different to the reserve you have on a Friday. So you have to learn about what to spot in the mornings. And it definitely took me a while to get used to that. Uh, and I would imagine that like, I'm a kind of a get on with the type person. Like I just go, oh, I'm wrecked today. God, this is very frustrating, right? Fall asleep, get up again, do whatever needs to get done. But I would imagine for many people, it's, it's a really difficult space to be, you know? found there actually um we watching your stories and seeing and I could relate to a lot of what you're saying it's like 
how do I kind of make getting healthy, getting fitter and make a part of my everyday where it's not a chore. And like you're, you're kind mm. of, you, know, you said a lot of your, your clients come to you and that's what they're all saying. It's kind of like, maybe they're not making time or maybe they're not, it's kind of trying to make a part of your lifestyle because we all know that health and fitness and exercising and fresh air and eating well and doing all these things and good sleep. We all know it's what's good for us, but for some reason we can't seem to do it. Yeah. Do you know, I think a lot of that is tied into, um, and without sounding preachy or virtue signaling, I think a lot of it is tied into diet culture because, um, I think many people get stuck in the trap of, okay, I must exercise now because this is how I ate at the weekend. I must exercise now because I need to burn off whatever food I've eaten. I must exercise because, 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 as opposed to like my approach to exercise is, oh, the girls are going cycling at the weekend. Jesus, we'll have great crack and stop off for a slice of cake down in that cafe below in Skull. And so it's tied very closely in with my social life. And that's what we try. We do try to engage that into the program as well. Like some of the girls have uh, started taking up tennis lessons and but they'll, they'll like meet up and it's a way for them to meet people, like-minded people who might be a bit more active during their week. Some of them will join walking groups and it's more about the social element and about engaging with other people who want to get fit on the same lines than it is about, Jesus, I have to get out now for a walk. Um, and that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do really is make, make fitness about your, your daily lifestyle and about enjoying yourself, you know? Yeah, I think that is so important because I found I'm um, living in Limerick. And when I first moved down, the first thing I did was join a tag rugby team um, mm. mainly because I wanted to make friends and because I come I come back to the city after being here as a student and all my uh, fellow UL students at all. Everyone had moved on mainly abroad, yeah. actually. So I was back in Limerick after being a student here and I was like, oh, this is really different now. And I'm working and I'm, I have a job now and I have a Monday to Friday and I need to like, you know, work and not be socializing as much so I was like what can I do that's social that I can make, make friends and you know that was tag mm -hmm. rugby and then I found that when I actually the more I played suddenly I got the fitness back that I might have had when I was younger because I'd kind of taken a few years off off of uh, exercising there when I was started working yeah. and um I found now then and now it's become this really competitive thing for me it's come a huge part of my life but it's like that it, it's the social aspect now so even you know, that's what I always tell myself. And that's, I think, why I love it so much. It's because it's just good fun. And without kind of the fitness then is almost the added bonus. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you're not going, you're not going out to training for tag rugby on a Wednesday evening going, oh yes, I'm going to get fitter tonight. Like nobody does that. And I think people have this attitude that, or this idea that that's like the motivation for, for going out training. Like, Okay, for, for some people, sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this session on, I'm going to get stronger, I'm going to go for a PB on whatever, right? Um, that's a different edge of sport. But when it's the social element and whether, when, it's, when it's a lifestyle change, it is very much, um, oh, there's going to be a great crack tonight at training. It has to be that way. So is it because it just creates, I suppose, is it like you just, yeah, you have to have the fun element. Now, I want to talk a bit about nutrition and obviously food. And you mentioned mm -hmm. like kind of, I suppose, diet culture. And I think, you know, I guess I feel like we're, we're getting better education maybe on food because I, I probably would have thought, oh, I can just work out every day and eat whatever I want. But then I kind of started, as I got older, I realized, okay, no, that's not the right attitude either. And you mentioned there about the weekends and you said on your story too, it's like, we do like, I, well, I find I can go out the weekends. I'm like, oh, it's weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, eat loads, go out drinking, you know, eat whatever takeaway I want. And it's just, and then you wake up Monday and it is that guilt and that kind of like, oh no, I have to eat like salad now for the rest of the day. So what is it kind of what would be your main key points when it comes to nutrition for for your clients 
Yeah, like I think, I think definitely nourishment, right? So we have this idea, and I think that I think that attitude of um, okay, yeah, I went mad at the weekend, and I and I I have to eat salads now on Monday again. It's fed by diet culture, right? It is the oh, geez, if I do this, I won't be. I won't be um, a certain size, or if I do this, I'm going to get bigger because it, that feeds into, of course, the the smaller is better mentality, which is just not true. And I think that you know we 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 in the program and overall, if I'm speaking to anybody about food, it really is it really is the informed decision making first of all. So education around nutrition, um, eat what you want when you want, but I mean you can have you can have popcorn and candy floss for dinner if you want to but you must understand that there are consequences to those choices and the consequences are generally well if you do it once you're probably not going to feel great you probably won't feel satisfied you might feel a bit sick come 10 o'clock in the evening um if you're doing it five nights a week you're going to miss out on loads of nourishment you're really not going to feel well and it's going to rot the teeth out of your head anyway the candy floss right but like so it's and you can you can make these decisions and look at all those consequences and look at all that stuff without ever paying attention to the number on the scale, right? So there is, there's so much more to food than how it impacts a number on the scale. And I think we've, I think we've tunnel visioned food down into the number on the scale, as opposed to how it makes us feel, whether it satisfies us, whether we feel nourished by it, um, whether we feel full and um, whether it's actually helping us to meet our needs. And I suppose my my background and, and is in performance nutrition. So my focus is always on helping women because it's typically women who have been grabbed and hooked and webbed by by diet culture. Um, my focus is on helping women thrive because diet culture actually doesn't do that. Diet culture uh, works really well at keeping women second guessing themselves, and that really annoys me. <laughs> So I'm I'm all for I'm all for uh, for women just going oh my god I'm fabulous and I feel fabulous and uh, food can allow you to do that and I suppose well I think maybe as well nowadays well social media like it, it is obviously great and we all use it as an amazing tool but like that I think sometimes you're you're I feel like you see people on social media and, you're, and they, they might be trying to promote some diet just because they were paid to promote it and then people are falling <laughs> for it and it's kind of going you know. I think people then do fall down that trap and like, I'm sure I, like I have in the past and it's like, Oh, I must do this three day juice cleanse. And I'm like, Oh, and then I'm like doing it going, I feel horrible and I have a headache and this doesn't do that to me. Or, you know, you follow something that you see, like, I don't know, there's been so many mad diets over the years and it's just like not enjoyable. Whereas you mentioned there, like you can enjoy food. Like there's so many great, actually really nice, tasty, healthy options nowadays. You know, we're so lucky. Yeah. 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 We really are. Like, and I think that, um, the enjoyment of food. I mean, food is such a sociable thing. We, you know, there's, there's so much more to food than just the nourishment. Um, and it, I mean, sometimes we use food to to comfort us, right? We we uh, have those days where we go, oh my God, I've had a terrible week, whatever, come on, we'll go out and we'll get dinner. And so it's tied so closely to uh, our social lives, to connecting with other people. And if we're suddenly to stick to just green salad with no dressing, like, good luck <laughs> good luck uh socializing and and uh, you know yeah it just it just um it creates so many ba- uh, boundaries or barriers to uh to enjoyment i think 
Um, something you I read on your website was actually that um, ethos is health first. So explain mm. more about that to me and and how you kind of bring that into your probably your own life and your client's life. Yeah. So like, I mean, we can we can do all the right things, right? And not be healthy. Okay. I mean, taking me for example, I I live a very balanced life and I'm very active and I eat really um healthy nourishing food and I still have kidney disease and hypothyroidism and all this other stuff going on in the background so we can't always control our health but we can contribute to it right and I think that we have people who will say Fiona I want to change my body right and I will say okay yeah okay that's no problem because I'm all for complete bodily autonomy and you want to change your body let's let's go do it let's get stronger let's build some more lean mass let's build more muscle um let's get you fitter and you know let's see what we can do and then somebody might say well actually i i really want to lose some body fat and you know there's there's a big kind of a an ethical seesaw here right because we understand from more and more research and like being honest the research up to now has been few and far between and the effects of dieting and what we're seeing now actually is that um when people have drastic weight loss when they see when they um is that the term seesaw diet or they you know they they're on the diet off the diet that that actually has more health implications than being steady state in a larger body right so um but still I'm still kind of stuck on that balance of, well, if somebody says I want to, I want to change my body, what I don't want is for them to go down the road to the next dieting club, um, get the whole horrible attitude to food, make all the mistakes, feel like they've failed because they weren't able to be consistent with the diet. Um, so I would much prefer to use evidence to support managing um a diet in the best way I know possible, which is with a very, very small calorie deficit um, for very short periods of time and ensuring that the individual has, uh, I suppose, retains the best attitude of food possible. And again, then, of course, making sure that there's a really stringent screening process that if somebody already has a negative attitude to food or disordered thinking around food or has ever experienced disordered eating, that that's not the right um it's not it's not really ethical to go down the road of uh, advising that person to to diet. Uh, so health isn't just about the physical element of things. And like we know there's so many there's so many physical implications for for dieting now in terms of uh, hormonal disruption, bone disruption, um, just to name a few. So there's also mental health and emotional health that are attached negative side of things that are attached into dieting that we haven't even touch the tip of the iceberg on so when we talk about health first it is really uh it's really about looking at food and looking at our bodies uh through the lens of how we can nourish them best as opposed to um how do i get smaller and another thing you mentioned and i think it um ties well into that um is attitude but i suppose if you get can change your attitude maybe have the right attitude it all comes full circle because you mentioned there about kind of on a diet off a diet and, and then you touched on mental health too and i think you know like we, we've all known people that have gone on these crazy diets and suddenly they're like they can't meet you and they like they can't even meet you for coffee because they might see a, a sugary bun beside the coffee and then they won't be able to go near yeah. you. you know they, they miss out on their social life and like oh sorry I can't come tonight because I ha- I'm on this diet and I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and then you're there I suppose when you're, you're you're missing out then on the fun things like there's no reason why you can't go on a night out but just maybe make better choices 
Yeah. And look, that's not to say either that everybody goes on a diet or everyone who goes on a diet is uh, is going to suddenly turn into this person who doesn't socialize or doesn't leave their house. Um, there's a large proportion of people that will happen to. So it is it is just really important that, you know, we don't uh, go out and randomly blanket assign a calorie deficit for everyone just because. And like, I think like that, coming back to that idea where people say, you know, I want to make changes to my body, that it is OK, right. No problem. Let's 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 do that. But let's look at your behaviors as opposed to go right, the only change we're going to see is that you're down five pounds in the next six weeks or whatever. Um, and I think it's, I think that, that when we talk about attitude, that's really important that we're looking at it through uh, that lens of behavior change. And are these behaviors going to positively contribute to your health and that statement encompassing your emotional health, your societal health, your um, physical health, etc. you know? Yeah, no, I do. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. As you mentioned, they're like running at the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more coming out and happening. I want to ask you, though, oh. a bit about yourself with um, about your own life with sport. You did mention you became a PT. You ever heard of PT at the start? You said something about PT. Yeah. And I know, of course, I'm following you. You um, triathlon and you're, you're swimming and you're cycling and you're running and you keep mm-hmm. so active. So was that always, were you always an active person or, you know, was, was that kind of an, uh, maybe a a new attitude you kind of bring in to make that part of your everyday yeah like I do you know I used to always I used to always say no that I wasn't an active person that I wasn't an active teenager but like when I when I look back now it's just that I didn't see exercise as a formality I didn't look at exercise as the formal exercise that we see it as now so from a very young age I would have been horse riding and um you know just for fun like going to competition and uh, I wasn't very I, I didn't really like this whole competitive thing like I just wanted to get on a pony and jump around fences for the crack like I'm all for the crack yeah. everything is for the crack <laughs> and um so I kind of did that I did loads of charity rides um and loads of cross country when I was when I was a teenager and then I did taekwondo I was West Cork female champion when I was 16 wow. in sparring um and then I played rugby uh, competitively with a club in Cork. Um, so yeah, I was always I was always active. Then I moved to Dublin and for college, and I found it really really difficult to engage in clubs. Like I moved in the summer, so um, trying to go around to rugby clubs and join rugby clubs, like. You couldn't horse ride in Dublin, if, well, certainly not on my wage anyway, because you really needed to be a lady of the manor to be able to afford it. And um, so I found it very difficult to engage in sports. Now, where I lived, actually, there was a local uh, club. So I ended up doing a bit of swimming and um, just really walking and cycling were my were my two sports or, or uh, my, my means of getting from point A to point B, really. They weren't exercises. I saw them. It was just how I got around. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, over the years, it's been running, marathon running. Then I got into triathlon. I started back to jujitsu. So um, I can't with it with the kidney transplant. I can't really get into uh, full contact sports. So uh, taekwondo, where I'm I'm fielding kicks and stuff like that, isn't really an option. But uh, now, mind you, jujitsu, <laughs> you do get to kind of get thrown around the place a small bit. But um, I get to protect that kidney a little bit better. So um it's a it's a good option for me um yeah jujitsu and you're saying jujitsu there and I was like is that not like I was like I'm thinking my head and I was like that seems like you kind of get kind of get like um doesn't seem like the most um 
non-contact sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's not really gentle at all, to be honest. Um, but uh, you know, it's kind of uh, how do I put it? I can I can manage I can manage uh, the degree of violence that um, <laughs> that I engage in. So uh, yeah, that's that's a bit easier to manage. How do you find all the balance? I mean, you're your mother, you have kids, you you've the the obviously you've the, your own business now. You're looking after so many clients and um, all the sport, everything. Um, I suppose like I I love sitting down and watching TV. Right, I love sitting down and having that hour in the evening to you know chill out and stick on Chicago Fire or you know whatever is on TV. Right, um, but I would choose spending time with friends over that. I would choose, I would choose the crack first every time. And that, that's genuinely the answer. Like, so, I mean, if it's a, if it's a choice between emptying dishwashers and hoovering floors at home or going for a cycle on a sunny day, I'll be like, do you know what? They can wait. I'll, I'll do those in five minutes when I get home later. It is, what is that? Is that Murphy's law where, um, you know, the work required will fill the amount of time you give it. Is that, yeah. is am I saying that right? You know, so if you if you have tasks to do at home like if i had the laundry to do and being a mom like of three teenagers it's busy right so there's the laundry there's bedrooms there's floors there's i mean we live in a zoo we've so many animals <laughs> i can get that stuff done in 20 minutes zooming around the place if i have scheduled that i have to be out the door to go for a cycle to meet someone whereas if i haven't scheduled that in the background i'd be like two hours later yeah i just mopped the floors here now and you kind of dawdle through it but um I mean there are days that stuff doesn't get done so and there are days that I don't have the energy and I'm too tired I always kind of feel like I wish there was nine or ten days in a week and maybe 10 or 12 hours more in the day like I could get up on a Monday and go I'll go to the gym now this morning I'd love to go for a run later the weather's really good and maybe I'll go for a swim and then I have to kind of reel it back in about lunchtime and go really now really you're going to have to cop yourself on you can't do that and I'm so disappointed. <laughs> but but the grown-up Fiona comes in and goes, okay, yeah, that's sensible. Yeah. Don't don't train three times in a day. You're not an Olympic athlete. Cop on. Like so um yeah, so I mean I do I do what I can when I can. And sometimes I mightn't train for three days in a row, and that's okay too. I love it. Absolutely. I have to say, um, since I've been following you since that ski trip, I really enjoyed seeing your stories and, and watching all that you're doing. And um I just love Thanks it. So no, I'd have to say I do really enjoy. Um, I should say your website is fionodonnell.ie. For those listening who are thinking, I, I need to sign up Fiona, I need to, to get my <laughs> things in order, I need to find that balance, that attitude, that health first ethos. Um, where can they sign up and get involved? Is it all on the website? Uh yeah, so basically uh I usually interview people before I take them into the program simply because uh I know that I can't help everyone and I know that I won't be the right fit the right fit for some people or some people might have issues that I don't have the qualifications or the skills to deal with so I usually interview people before I sign them up to the program um and once we both decide we're a good fit for each other then uh you know we we can go ahead with that so um people usually pop me a message pop me an email uh or have a chat through social media if they kind of want to touch base and ask any questions and um, well, I will leave, of course, the link to your website in the description box as well with this episode. And I have to say, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you and getting to know you more. And as I said, I really enjoy following Instagram. Fiona O'Donnell, um, highly recommend to I just I just love your attitude as well. And I love your um, 
I just love, I think you're, I find, I find actually when I, when I listen to your stories, I feel like I'm sitting one-on-one talking to you or something. I'm like, oh, yeah. you just, you're, yeah, you're, you've come, you just come across so authentic as well. And I love that you said that you interview people first, because it's important, I guess, that, you know, you, you find that's good too, because you could easily say, oh, look, I'll just take on everyone. But, you know, it, it shows yeah. them that the people you do take on are going to get the best. Exactly. Exactly. Fiona O'Donnell, murder speaker, Mila Milmogat. Thank you, Megan. It was lovely. Thank you for listening to Megan Meets with me, Megan Scully, in association with Salt Float and Recovery Suites. Get 20% off single therapies at Salt. Enter Meg Meets at the checkout or in store. Check out saltfloatrecovery.com for booking and for more information. And remember, hit subscribe and share the love with friends and family or those who you feel could benefit from the health and wellness topics and methods discussed.